Hello and welcome to the Evidence-Based Physiotherapy Podcast. A podcast for physiotherapists and physiotherapy students to discuss all things related to research evidence and applying it to your practice. So today we are talking about how to read a scientific paper and we are joined by Sean and Leisha who are students of physiotherapy and Holly and myself Alex who are physio lecturers. So um, first of all, so Leisha and Sean, how do you approach reading a paper? Um, I probably start by reading abstract, see if I think it's going to be of help to my assignment, my research, whatever I'm starting to think about. Um, and then I get very confused very quickly, further in I read. Right. There's a lot of things that don't make sense to me, unfortunately. Hopefully we can make some of that clearer today. Do you approach it, reading it from sort of cover to cover, reading yeah. it through from the front? Yeah, what about definitely. you, Alicia? Um, I actually have that much experience using papers. I think just from, I guess, the type of assignments that we've had or the other resources I tended to rely on in first year. But um, when I have looked at them, I've mainly obviously used the title and then the abstract and then just judged it from there whether I thought it was relevant to read on or not. So as a postgrad researcher what's your take on reading papers Holly? I um, I actually really enjoy reading papers and I know that it feels really heavy because I, I do remember from um, undergraduate that as much as I liked trying to collate all of the results together, I did used to find it quite daunting. But um, I think there's a lot to be learned. And I, I understand why students struggle, because it's almost that, um, they yeah, they don't always give you all of the information. And sometimes you've got to draw out what you'd expect from kind of the methodology that they're stating that they're undertaking um, and what and, and align that with actually what they've done. So again, it's, it's a bit about uh, reading between the lines again with it and it's it's about really knowing the research methodology before you can start to understand kind of the quality of the results that you're reading um, and not just taking it at face value. So there's two parts to that one is really sort of reading the paper to actually understand what it's telling you and then to be able to use the results but then the other thing is is actually looking at it to critically appraise the article to see how good it is and to see how trustworthy the conclusions are. I think appraisal is often given quite a lot of uh, time within courses, and I think that's that's obviously quite useful because it tells us how trustworthy um, re- results can be. But often I don't think the time is spent talking about how to actually read a paper in the first place. And so we're missing the main key to try and help students engage with the evidence base in the first place. I think just to clarify, when we're talking about a paper as such, it's it tends to be a journal article that we are talking about. Um, there's lots and lots of different ways that a paper looks, but they tend to have the same headings. What do you look for in a paper? Abstract's generally a big one that I go for because I think I ch- I've tried not to rely on abstract further and I've got in into my degree because obviously abstract tells you quite a bit. But I think from abstract, you get a good idea as to whether it's going to be like apl- applicable to your assignment brief or what you're looking at Um, and then I've moved on to like discussion and try to make sense of the bulk discussion that they have throughout and then results. There's nothing wrong with an abstract it it gives you a certain amount of information Um, but as you get further into into your degree you're going to find it very very hard to find enough information from an abstract to be able to critique an article in, in enough detail. I find abstracts particularly useful when um, maybe you've found quite a lot of research papers that are appropriate to what you're writing about or reading about and almost using your 
using your time effectively by just scanning through the abstracts to get an idea about whether it's worth reading any further. Um, it's the key. I, I find that the key points or the key themes will be brought up in the abstract. So I suppose that's the that's the extent of how I find them useful. But then when it does come to writing assignments in particular, it's quite obvious students who've read an abstract and then referenced just having known the information from the abstract because it's lacking that kind of critical depth. I think I'm probably guilty of that. <laughs> um, you won't be alone. So, yeah, I, I think in terms of... Um, uh, looking at the sections of a paper, it's really important to have a look through and, and see what each part actually contributes. So your title, what you've mentioned, is actually a really, really important part of the overall paper because one, it's going to be the thing that draws you in. Uh, so it's got to be a nice, interesting topic, but that needs to actually tie up with what goes on in the paper. So first of all, you need to figure out that the title is actually what you want it to be. You've also mentioned the abstract. So what's your sort of view of what the abstract actually is and what it does? An introduction to the paper and then potentially like a summary of the findings, like a really, really brief summary of the findings, yeah. um, which I think is temptation for a lot of students to just be like, oh, yeah, they've kind of said the results. But then to get further into why they've researched what they've researched and looking at comparisons that they've done. Like, obviously, like Holly said, that's where I think some of us as students fall short because we just depend on abstracts. Yeah. And it will certainly give you the information, like the main findings from the study, which is great. But when you're in a degree and you're being asked to appraise the evidence, you know, and you're sort of, Lisa, you'll start to get this within your second year. And, and obviously, Sean, now you're in third year, you'll be expected to do that more. But trying to critique something when you've only got a tenth of the information of what they've done and how they've done it makes it really difficult and so if you haven't got that information all you end up doing is just regurgitating what's there and just describing so you always end up with that that comment in your feedback of a, a descriptive analysis um, which is what you want to be avoiding because it doesn't show your own thinking and show that you've got ideas and and, and an understanding of the research itself so the introductions next so the introduction or background is really just an overview of, of a lot of the, the key papers around the area. But more importantly, at the end of that, it leads to an aim for the study. And the aim is really everything that the, the study should focus around. And when you read the conclusion, it should always link back to that aim. So the aim is always sort of plonked at the end of the intro, but it's actually quite a key part of the, of the study itself. The aim is particularly important if you're just to see if the findings match up with what actually they set out to um, um, they set out to find out because yeah. sometimes things get lost within the methodology and they've set out the methodology in one particular way to test an aim and then the findings don't don't even match up with that and then you get a bit of a, a higgledy-piggledy paper really yeah what do you think the method section is there for just to sort of like set out um how they went about getting their like results or performing their like research project I guess yeah and and what do you think is the key factor of whether there is a good method section or not probably how in depth they go like if it's just a real brief summary if they're not detailing what they've done and if they're not if they've not got like a sample group and a actual treatment group and they're not getting a good summary of that you you don't know how successful their treatment or whatever they do they've wrote the paper on is really yeah. to me a method section is all about reproducibility it should have all of the um 
the ingredients, the participants that you're using, the materials that you're using, the measures that you're using, and then how all of those individual components fit together to actually make something that someone could pick up and run themselves. So if that isn't clear, then it's either that they've had to chop loads out because of a really hard word limit. Or badly written. What about the results section? Then put in what they've found, their findings. Yeah, it's it's just a case of putting the raw information that they found and summarising it. And um, the, the key sort of point that I was always told about res, uh, results sections are that they shouldn't have any interpretation of results. This is what we found. And so when you're reading a results section, there shouldn't be any author views put in there. It shouldn't have any spin. It should just be a very sort of simple case of here's what we found. And presenting um, that as well in a really clear way, because I, I think methodology is sometimes really overcomplicated and then that kind of throws you off and you skim, you can skim read it and then maybe not take in all the information. And I think the results are often presented in a way that throws people off as well because they're presented in a way that's just really complicated and you think, oh, well, can't bother to read that. But those are the main sections of the article. Um, so I think uh, something that's written in a way that a lay person could pick it up and think from a methodology point of view yep I could definitely pick up where they left off and repeat that and from a results perspective that you actually understand what they've what they've found on a raw data kind of basis. Mm. After that do you go into the discussion? I love a good discussion. I've tried and I get lost in it very quickly. Right why do you like a discussion Holly? I like a discussion because it's um I think it brings up quite a lot of things and it bring particularly brings up the the researchers interpretation of what they found. But the fact that it compares um, the results and the findings to other results within the same field. I just think um, a, a well written discussion is so rich for information, whether it's references you're trying to pick up or whether it's a good understanding of kind of um not, not the background information, but a good understanding of kind of the, the cutting edge in that field. So why do you struggle then, Sean, with, with the discussion? What is it about it? I think it's just sometimes it can be so bulky and wordy and, to be honest, quite long when you've tried to make sense of methodology. You start working through a paper. I am not, like, I'll hold my hands up. I'm not very good at assignment writing. It's one of my weaknesses. And I think I just get really stressed with it and I just flap a little bit about it. And I'm just like, no, I'm not reading that. I do think, though, that a lot of the, the critique that you're doing around an article that we expect from you, quite a lot of that you can pick up through a discussion because they'll talk mm-hmm. about biases, they'll talk about limitations within their methodology, they'll talk about any anomalies within their results. So it, it gives you so much information that then you can um, build on. And it, it also will help you structure your own discussions when you're trying to bring together lots of literature um, and compare findings. It, it gives you a, a good idea of how to put your critical writing together. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's sometimes useful to actually think about what these sections do. And the discussion is there to put meaning to the results. So this is the point at which the authors actually have the opportunity to be able to talk about what their results actually mean. Um, And so it, it should give you a lot of the discussion around it in light of previous research. But also it will give you a lot of the critique around the actual 
article itself so the limitations of the study and it'll also tell you about where that sits in the overall program of or, or area of research so where does the uh, the research go next and then it finally ends with the conclusion which if any good should actually give you a very clear answer to the aims of the study the conclusion can sometimes summarise kind of the clinical application of what has been found as well. So it can be quite useful when you're thinking, yes, this research article is quite scientific, but how does that apply to my practice? Mm-hmm. So in terms of actually reading a paper, then, I don't think there's actually a one size fits all when it comes to reading them. And and, and it's really down to whether you're going to be using these papers as a key paper, as one of the main papers of an essay or, or a piece of research or whether it's one of the small supporting papers that goes alongside. And how you use these papers and how you read them is going to be very, very different in terms of the detail that you know them and the amount that you go into either a critique or the detail of of understanding their methods. So where do you start then when reading a paper? I've heard from other students that that they start with the conclusion and the discussion um, and assess what's in there first. Um, I've never personally done that, but would you suggest that that's quite a good way to go about it? Uh, Well, I read the title and see how much it loads me in, I suppose. And then I skim through the abstracts and then I jump to kind of conclusion and discussion. Um, So I don't think it's a bad thing, but I do think that having a bit more of an... um, an overview from the abstract as well before and the aims before you're jumping to the conclusion because the conclusion is probably not going to give you much information if you've only read the title and the conclusion Um, I think there needs to be a little bit more kind of meat on the bones with that but having um, a manuscript myself that I'm trying to get published I appreciate now how limited the information is within an abstract in that there's normally a word count of about 150 to 200 words so actually you miss out significant portions of the information in just in that brief overview so I think it's a a matter of jumping from the beginning to the end of a paper before you um, decide to commit to reading all of the pages in between which can be a very long job. I think that is a really good summary to be honest but I I think it's it just goes to show that it's a very very um, personal thing with how you read a paper but that you don't have to read it from cover to cover the one thing I do like to to add within that is actually looking at the the numbers themselves so looking at the tables within the results section of quantitative papers the you know you don't always have to have a massive understanding of statistics to be able to do this Um, a lot of this is summarized data and means and and standard deviations so try to get your head around those but if you can get your head around those then um, uh, you know you can start to actually have a look at some of the measures and some of the size of the differences that that have been found and the magnitude of change or the size of the change is actually really key to whether the finding is important or not and we will go through that in another episode, but it's, it's quite an interesting point to, to be looking at. One further thing that you can do and I would recommend is that if you are using a key paper or a very, very key review, particularly um, that you go through their reference list and start uh, using that to identify some of the key reading uh, around that area as well because they are likely to summarize the key papers for you don't just take their critique on board um, try to go to the paper and actually uh, do this from the original source where possible but sometimes that's that's not always feasible and therefore just just take it on board with a, a pinch of salt really and that's something that is absolutely fine in terms of academic practice 
So there's loads of information about how to read papers, but one that I particularly like is an article about how to read a scientific paper, which I'll put a link to in the podcast. I suppose for those of us interested in research, um, there's quite a lot of uh, books about how to read a lot and kind of honing in on your reading skills so that it you're not trying to absorb every single word on a paper. And what's your opinion on, are they useful or are they are they not useful? You just learn by reading or? It's a good point. I think maybe I'm making it a little bit too simplistic. There are some skills that you can learn, um, which are things like speed reading, which I've heard helps, but it's nothing that I've actually done myself. I think one of the other things that you can do is to get over that need to understand everything at undergraduate level and even postgraduate pre-reg level it's it's not necessary if they're talking about a specific approach or ipa or the phenomenological analysis in a qualitative paper it doesn't really matter that much at this stage it's it's good to understand if you if you can but i wouldn't spend time learning about it and i wouldn't spend time getting bogged down with a, a specific statistical test you know if you know it great if not don't waste your life trying to find out what everyone has done in every paper yeah do you think there's anything other than sort of keywords that you'd highlight or annotate or particularly look for to analyze or anything like that because I know I'd be inclined to print out the paper get my highlighters out but then I don't really know what I'd be highlighting or like circling or annotating have you got any suggestions for that I love highlighting things and I suppose it's I'm just trying to think how do I approach that so I, I do it in more of a a holly methodological manner. Um, when it comes to the methodology, as I've said before, it's almost reading um, between the lines and pulling out information that I'd expect to be there, um, or knowing what the gold standard of methodology could be. And I almost write myself um, little suggestions of what could be improved, or if there are particular limitations that are standing out to me on the paper. Um, if I think anything is worded particularly well or it's a new information, a piece of information for me, I will highlight that as well. And I do a lot of highlighting around the discussion as well, because I think there's always quite a lot to be pulled from the discussion, whether whether the researcher is talking about any of the um, biases or the limitations. And then, as I said before, just building upon that information. And um, I also highlight any references I think are applicable and then I find them and download them. I'm not a highlighter type person, if I'm honest, but um, three main things that I perhaps look at when reading a paper. And I suppose you could correspond each of these to a different colour, um, if you so wish. Um, one being sort of points of interest, you know, things that I would want to talk about in terms of what the research has found. Um, so that's one particular thing that I would look for. Another thing is something that doesn't seem quite right. Um, so whether you're reading the title and it doesn't really sound like what the paper's doing or if I'm reading the aims and objectives, are they clear? You know, that sort of thing. The things that really stick out, um, the methods, whether they don't tend to make sense, whether they're talking about measuring quality of life, but then they don't use a quality of life measure, for example. Uh, and these points are, are probably a lot more common than you realise. And then the other thing is things that I don't know or that I need to look up. You know, it could be whether they've made a claim that, you know, from previous research, which I don't necessarily agree with. It tends to be those three different things. 
points of interest, points that might suggest that there's something dodgy or not quite right. So points of critique in a way. And then the points that I don't understand and I need to go away and look up. And this is why, you know, you don't have to understand it all to read the paper, but it's really, really good to say, oh, actually, I don't know what that word means. I'll just go and look that up. But um, I tend to do that afterwards because then it doesn't disrupt the flow of my reading. You can just go through, you can highlight or point to what the things you're you're not clear about, you know, unless the paper is about some sort of weird illness uh, that you never heard of before it's probably likely that you want to find out what that illness is before you try and read the whole paper on it. So, you know, I'm only talking about sort of small things uh, as part of a paper. So when we um, when we talked about the methodology and having that that hat on to think, could I pick this up and just repeat this um, with all of the detail? If you can't, then that's an area to highlight or a question mark to put next to the methodology because there's something missing because you can't just pick it up and carry on um I think as an undergraduate when you, if you are a bit of a highlighter like me you're always at risk of literally highlighting everything and I think that is of no use um, I've done that before um and it's of no use and actually the more papers that you read you'll find the more you're able to hone in on the element in terms of reading you know just just go for the information that you need sort of suggest like to get used to reading papers like just reading them like amongst all of your other studies even if it's not for a specific assignment after a lot of the content with it that you've been provided for as university there will be reference lists or um, key papers that we've used in putting the content together and um, so it's always worth looking through those um, and almost critiquing those for yourself and writing notes and sticking post-it notes on them and maybe looking at some of the references that they used as well that's great to kind of build up that uh that backlog of information that you can fall back on um i suppose it's difficult isn't it when you're still in your second or your third year and you've got um, assignments and deadlines that you have to meet um it's difficult to then just go and pick up papers that don't feel like they have an aim but you can immerse yourself in the research that we that we give for you and then expand your reading from there i would say the main sort of take-home point from it all is um you know, read the bits of information that are important. You don't have to read it like a book. You'll you'll waste a lot of time doing that. And if there is anything that is unclear, if there is a word that you're not sure about, look it up. You know, don't just accept it as fact, because when you come to the next paper, there will be exactly the same terminology in there. And um, at least you'll know what it is then. That will help to build your knowledge and and soon enough papers and reading them will become second nature. But share it with friends. Journal clubs are geeky, but they're brilliant. I think the summary from today for me is um, don't read an article in the order that it's actually printed. Um, skip from the abstracts and the aims to the conclusion to start with to see if it's meeting what you want it to meet. And not to take it at face value as well, to kind of come into it with um, a bit of a critical or uh, curious or investigative kind of hat on um, and not not just absorb the information that's in front of you and take it at, at face value. How do you think you'll approach reading papers differently then? Read more of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think be more um, open-minded and willing to stick at it, even if at yeah. first it seems a bit like daunting or very wordy, like to not um, let that put me off if it could actually be a worthwhile paper to read and um, use in assignments and things like that. When you're on placement, the first time you go in, you're nervous, you're, you're not sure about it. But because you've got an educator there, 
you can't run away you know with a paper you can put it down or, or close it on your on your computer just open it up get interested and and persevere and if you don't put so much pressure on yourself having to understand everything then it's actually not that bad so hopefully that's given you some tips about how to approach reading a paper and thanks for listening if you have any questions, thoughts or comments on today's episode, then you can email us on theevidencebasedphysio at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can find us on social media at Twitter or Instagram at the EBP Podcast. Please let us know what you think of the episodes and also leave questions or subjects you'd like to cover in the future. Thank you for listening.